welcome to the Mint Podcast, where we dive deep into God's Word and discuss practical ways to live it out. This season, we're doing real talk about how we can contend for breakthrough in the most difficult and painful parts of our story. I can't wait to see what God, the commander of heaven's armies, is going to do as we press into him. If you want more of what you hear on the show, there are additional free resources, merchandise, and donation opportunities available at amintageisler.com. We're a listener-funded podcast, and we appreciate your support so much. Let's go run the race. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here as we dive deep into God's Word and discuss practical ways to live it out. This season, we are cultivating the heart of a warrior, posturing ourselves before God, the Lord of Heaven's armies, our great commander on the battlefield, so that we can contend for breakthrough in the toughest parts of our stories. So let's run the race together because we need each other. And we are in a series called Intimate, and we are taking the time to get to know the character of God and understand who it is that we serve because we're better warriors when we know the commander. And this is the third episode of the series. So if you missed the first two, maybe push pause and just go back and listen and then join us because the episodes do build on each other in this series. I can't wait to see what God is going to do as we seek him more. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for who you are. You are so good. And Lord, I just pray that in these next minutes, would you give us eyes that can see you, ears that can hear you, and hearts that are courageous enough to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have been focused on a portion of the text in Exodus 34 where God reveals himself to Moses. And we already talked about the first couple lines. He is Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. Today, we are going to focus on, I am slow to anger. And that is what we're going to look at. So this week, as we walk forward, I just want you to think about, we serve a God who's patient because that's what we would call it. And oh, this one is always so convicting for me as I have the ability to snap into what I call my righteous anger really quickly. And I always feel like I have a good reason or so I think, (laughs) but that's because I'm always right. Right, honey? Okay. So I'm just kidding. But that's how I think my husband would probably feel. I always feel so justified in my anger, but I know that it's not always a justified anger. So let me just share, our neighbor this summer, um, not the neighbor who turned us in 14 times for working on the yard, the other neighbor this summer really surprised me um, and really frustrated me. So they've been great and they've helped us with projects and stuff. And I was just finishing up two months of working on the yard, right? Getting it all done just to perfection. Wanted it to look great. And as the crowning glory of it, I was hanging these cute little cafe lights around the fire pit area. Now I have little cafe lights on our deck and on a little sitting area. Um, And so I strung them on the fence And I did it really nicely because I'm type A. And so they were perfectly spaced and we zip tied them and they just hung perfectly. You couldn't even see the cord. So I did it well. And I had them on one night for two hours while we did a fire and then I unplugged them. And my neighbor came over the next day and he said, please take those lights down. They're ruining my view. And I was like, huh? He said, yeah. It's ugly. I don't want to have to look at the lights hanging on the fence when I'm trying to sit in my yard and look at the river. 
And I was like, are you kidding me? So I went and got a scissors and I snipped them off the fence. And I was like, what? Like I've only used these two hours and all the thoughts are running through my head. This is my yard. I've done so much work fixing it up. How dare he complain? This yard used to look like a war zone. Now it looks amazing. I haven't even had the lights on. They're not even disturbing him. And he has the guts to come over here and tell me to take them down. No. But I took them down and I called my husband and I was so angry and I was filled with that anger, right? And I know it sounds silly. It's just a bunch of lights. But I was just so excited to do it. And it looked so pretty. Anyway, and I had a choice to make in that moment. Was I going to let it go and preserve the relationship with my neighbor? Or was I going to stay in my anger and cause a rift and have it be strained every time we saw them? And this represents my little story about the light, a bigger truth about God. See, God is slow to anger. That's what it says in this passage. That characteristic is because he loves us so much and he desires to be in relationship with us and he doesn't want to break that relationship with us. And so he doesn't get angry quickly. See, you know, in that story, I got angry quickly. I didn't want to even know his point of view. I didn't care. Like, there's no way it was ruining his view, right? I was so upset. I was quickly angered. And it just made me think, because it's like, oh, the Bible says God is slow to anger. What would that response look like? So we're going to jump into the text here and see. So it says slow to anger. And the Hebrew word here is erek apayayam. And it, I probably butchered that, but it means long of nose. Isn't that funny? Because in the Hebrew, when someone was angry, they would say their nose burned hot. And like you'll see this in the Old Testament when Joseph was accused of being inappropriate with Potiphar's wife, it says that her husband's nose burned hot. So think of somebody who's angry and their nostrils flare like in their anger. That's what they're talking about here. So what slow to anger or the Hebrew long of nose means is that God's patient. He's long suffering and it takes him a long time to get angry. (laughs) And God has Even just his type of anger is different because he has righteous, he has truly righteous anger. I think I have righteous anger. He has truly righteous anger because he gets angry about injustice. And so when there's something happening that's wrong, he gets angry, but he does give his people lots of time to repent. I mean, think about Pharaoh. He sent 10 plagues. He gave Pharaoh 10 chances. And then Pharaoh finally let the people go, but he changed his mind and he chased them. And so what did God do? He handed him over to his choices and he let him be drowned in the Red Sea. But he had given him 10 chances before to listen to God, but he hadn't. So he doesn't let people, his anger is in response to our behavior because he cares about us. So he doesn't just let us sit in our self-destruction. And when there's injustice going on, he does get angry and he does allow people to kind of sit in the consequences of what they've done, but it's because he's just and good. It's not just because he's losing his temper. See, his wrath, his anger in the Bible is usually him handing people over to the consequences of their sin. 
Like when his pe- he tells his people to worship him alone and they make idols. Well, he just allows them then to be at the mercy of the people who have made those idols. So they'll be conquered by those people because he's like, okay, you want what they've got? I will let you have what they've got. And he allows people to have those consequences. But usually he gives them many times to change their mind before he does that. And so um, I'm just going to show you a couple other um, examples of that. And I'm flipping now to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. And here we go. You know what's interesting about my Bible is um, I hit the point this summer where I've used it so much that the binding is wearing out. And now as I flip pages, they're sticking together and chunks of passages flip open and it's getting harder to turn my pages quickly. I'm going to have to start using markers because the binding is literally ripping apart and it's affecting how I can flip the pages because it's falling apart. But I guess that's a good thing that I've read my Bible so much that it's literally falling apart. But I'm really going to be sad to give this one up. Okay. Deuteronomy 6, verses 14 and 15, God says, You must not worship any of the gods of your neighboring nations, for the Lord your God who lives among you is a jealous God. His anger will flare up against you and he'll wipe you from the face of the earth. You must not test the Lord your God as you did when you complained at Massa. You must diligently obey the commands of the Lord your God, all the laws and decrees he's given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight and all will go well with you. So, The Lord has told them that he does have a righteous anger that burns. But like if we do things according to his way, his anger will not come against us. And so God's anger really is out of because he's just and he wants what's best for us. And he's not going to just let us sit in the self-destruction of sin or defiance. And so We've been so far talking about God's goodness and his compassion and his mercy. And to some that might feel like, well, this is a switch. Now we're talking about God's angry. But no, no, no. It's He's slow to angry. He's slow to angry, which means he gives us time to repent. And it's not that he just gets angry for no reason. It's never unpredictable or irrational or spontaneous. It's a reaction to human conduct and a concern for their well-being and right and wrong. See, God's anger is perfectly just, and he does give his people time. And so what we see here is that even though we deserve wrath from God, there are so many times where his nose doesn't burn hot, and he gives us another chance to make it right before he allows us to face the consequences of our actions. And we see the same wording used in the New Testament, too, in the Greek, The concepts, we see them in Colossians 3. So I'm flipping there really quickly. And it's a call for how we should act, right? Because we have a God who's slow to anger, Colossians 3.13 says this, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And I feel so convicted by that statement always, make allowance for each other's faults. Oh, like, yeah, we actually have to leave room for people to be imperfect because we aren't perfect. And that's what God does for us. And now I'm going to turn to Ephesians. Ephesians. Here it comes. 
because there's another command that we are given for two. And it says this, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. There it is again. When we have the love of God, his compassion and mercy, we will be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. That's what God does for us. And finally in James, and I love this. So this is why I'm ending on this one. James 1, 19 to 21 says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Do you ever wonder where he got that? He got that out of Exodus 34. We have a God who's slow to get angry. Verse 20 says, Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Well, isn't that easy? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Man, it is so hard to be slow to anger. But what James said here is that the key to not having human anger is to purify ourselves, get rid of all the filth and evil in our lives. So if we're having a hard time with our temper, here's an opportunity for that heart check we like to talk about. Man, are there some things in your life that aren't so great that we could maybe pull out of there? See, human anger doesn't produce righteousness, right? So that's why God says in this passage that we need to be careful, that we need to humble ourselves and obey him and care for others. And then he also says, if you claim to be religious but can't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. So we got to control our tongue too. (laughs) Oh, buddy. But because of God's great love for us, his nose burns long. He demonstrates patience with us and he doesn't want anybody to be lost. And so we can do the same thing. We can be slow to anger. And a great way to do that is to control our tongue. James 3, so this is just a couple chapters later. Verses 2 through 12 said this, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect and we can control ourselves in any other way. Isn't that interesting? If you can control your tongue, you can control your temper. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot goes, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it has been set on fire by hell itself. So, If we want to be slow to anger, sounds like we need to control our tongue and shut our mouths. (laughs) And that is the best way that we can start to do that, right? So controlling our tongues is just such a great thing that we can do there. And we're just gonna talk about a couple of other really practical things that we can do to safeguard ourselves for our temper and kind of make sure that we're being slow to anger. And the other thing that James talked about is that we humble ourselves and obey him. So if we're angry or we're quick tempered or we're harboring anger against somebody, man, a great thing to do is to humble yourself before God 
and ask him to help you be patient or be long of nose or reveal to you where you need to humble yourself, right? James 1.21 says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And then what? You'll be able to be slow to anger, which means that there's a connection between our purity and our temper. So we need to be willing to make changes in our life if our tempers are an issue and we're finding ourselves unable to be slow to anger. We gotta board the purity train. Maybe there's some shows you gotta stop watching. Maybe you need to stop going to a certain place. Maybe you need to start listening to Christian music. I don't know, I remember when I was a young mom and I was home alone all day with this tiny little baby and I was only 22 years old and none of my other friends had babies so they were at work and I was at home and so do you know what kept me company during the day? Soap operas. Oh yes, they did. And then at nights when my daughter would go to bed, Sunday nights, uh, uh, my spouse played in a basketball league and I was home alone and I would make pizza and I would watch Desperate Housewives, okay? And that was my entertainment. Now, no condemnation for those of you that have watched soap operas or Desperate Housewives, but you know what it did? It made me angry at my life. It made me discontent. I watched filth and it was normalized to me and I started having a temper about my situation. When I stopped watching that crap, I was suddenly a lot more content with what I had. And I had way more patience for my spouse. I didn't expect him to act like a TV character with a script for how to respond perfectly because that's not what real life is. Or likewise, I stopped drinking. Now, I'm not saying that all drinking's wrong. The Bible's just clear that we should not be drunk. But what I found is that drinking impaired my judgment and it led to a lot of fights. And that it just made me more emotional overall. And I was way quicker to anger and I would get angry about things that happened. And so maybe I I stopped drinking and maybe those things don't affect you. Maybe you can have a drink or two and, and it doesn't cause more fights or more rifts or whatever. So I'm not saying this is for everybody. I'm just saying for me, there was a direct connection of purifying some of my behaviors and my temper coming down. And me being able to be more patient with the people around me. So my question for you is, what in your life, if you're struggling with being slow to anger, what in your life maybe needs purification? And that is a hard question to ask. And I'm not pointing a finger because I'm the first one to say, man, I'm not perfect. But for us to be able to humble ourselves before God and say, oh man, point out in me anything that offends you. Show me where I can become more pure so that I can be slow to anger. James 1 verse 27 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. There's a battle we got to fight here, friends. If we want to be like God, if we want to be slow to anger, we have to stand and refuse to let the world corrupt us, which means we are going to have to do things differently than non-believers. We can't watch the same things. We can't listen to the same things. We can't go to the same places. And not that we can't be out in the world and we can't be friends with non-believers. Please don't take my words to mean that. I just mean we get the opportunity to be intentional about what goes in so that more righteousness can come out. Garbage in, garbage out. Purity in, purity out. And so just for us to think about that in relationship to its connection to us being slow to anger. And the fourth thing, as I've been kind of going through these practical steps here, is that we lead with relationship preservation. We choose people over being right and over winning. 
and over giving them what they deserve. Because that's what God does when he's slow to anger. He chooses the relationship. And there's just times when you're in a discussion with somebody else that you might just have to pause and say, I need to value this relationship more than I value winning, more than I value being right, more than I value if it's fair or not. I'm going to put relationship first because my desire is to be in relationship with this person. I want to love like God does. And so we can do that, right? And in Matthew 18, verse 21 and 22, it's the story of Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, how many times do we have to forgive, right? Seven, because that was what the law said. And Jesus said 70 times seven. And he didn't mean that we need to keep a tally of 490 times that we forgive somebody, but that we would have overflowing forgiveness with the idea of relationship preservation in mind because that's what God did with the Israelites all through the Old Testament. That's what Jesus did for all of us when he died on the cross. And that's what we can do for other people. Now I'm going to pause here because I know this is hard and this might like sting a little. And some of you might say, but you don't know my situation or this really isn't fair or hey, I get it. I don't know your situation and I'm not asking anybody to stay and fight for relationship preservation that is harmful or dangerous. But what I am saying is that I I think always humbling ourselves before God and asking what we can do better and then asking God how we can love like him is just a good posture to have. Obviously, there are exceptions where we need to back away or when it's not safe and we need to remove ourselves, or when we just need to take breaks so we can get a deep breath and get some air and think clearly. So I'm not saying we can't do those things. I'm just saying these are four practical ways that if we need breakthrough in this area or in some area of our life, these are the ways that we can work on ourselves because that's how what we can control. We can't control our circumstances. We can't control other people. We, can't, we don't get to control God's timing. Oh, that we could. We can control ourselves and our heart posture. And I don't know about you, but I sure am glad that I have a Lord who is long of nose. (laughs) I fall so short and I'm so thankful that he continues to restore me to him. What a gift that is. And we are stronger warriors when we posture ourselves like he does because then he fights for us. All right, let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for the richness of how you love us. I thank you for how patient you are with us, that you don't give up on us, even though we fall short time and again. God, I pray that as we lean into you this week, will you give us eyes that see people the way you see them? Will you help our nose to burn long so that we can preserve relationships? And will you help us to be humble enough to look diligently at our actions and and know what we need to remove that we might be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Mint Podcast. More resources are available at amintageisler.com. Let's do this faith journey together.